I didn't think there'd be vampires on campus. We must have been at about 40,000 feet when it happened. <gasps> what was that? You are the Slayer. One girl in all the world. Did anybody say that? Yeah. Guess what? I feel better. Guys, where are we? Hi, Pat. Hey, Sammy. How's it going? It's going very good. Oh, nice timbre in your voice. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's the word, right? Timbre? Timber? I I don't know. I think it's timber. Okay. Timber. Well, it's a shot in the dark. It's worth I'm it. yelling timber. Exactly. I That's think, what I was saying. I'm pretty sure that's the song. Mm-hmm. What's up? What's going on? Not much. We haven't recorded in a while. We had Well, we had a week off. We right? had a week off. We had one week off. I guess that's true. Due to many different reasons, but let's just call it a short vacation. Yeah. Away from the podcast, but here we are, back in the seats, back at it. This is not an, an exciting episode of Buffy for me, so I was kind of like, yeah, okay, we can take a week off. <laughs> you were okay with delaying talking yeah. about this episode? Yeah. Yeah. I could tell right away from the title. I was like, Reptile Boy. Mm. Oh, boy, it's going to be a winner. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a real <laughs> slamming episode, I can tell already. <laughs> just like Inca Mummy Girl. Just like Inca Mummy Girl, just back to back. These things are just <laughs> really getting cranked out. Top-notch <laughs> productions. <laughs> um yeah so i was like ugh, not this episode but i actually think there's some kind of cool like bigger cultural maybe things okay. happening in it that we could talk about that makes it slightly more interesting but some interesting things that happen yeah okay. and speaking of what's going on in culture mm-hmm. um kind of some big stuff happened yesterday actually um, well, yesterday, the day that we're recording this. Um, yeah, our show hit the news a little bit. Well, not our show, but your show, Buffy, was well, in the news yeah, not a little. The, not this podcast. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not. <laughs> we wish, although I wouldn't want to be for right. these reasons. Fortunately or unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, so basically what happened was Charisma Carpenter, who plays Cordelia Chase on Buffy, has alleged that Joss Whedon, Buffy creator, was emotionally abusive to her on set, especially when she was pregnant. And she's actually alluded to this before um, a little bit, but never really went into very much detail um, and nowhere near as much as she went on um, on February 10th, which, like I said, was yesterday. So I'm not going to get into the details because I just think it's better, like if you're interested in learning more about this, to just read her account on her Instagram which is Charisma. Um, it's K-A-R-A-Z-M-A. Yeah. I just started following her not too long ago. And yeah, you, you shouldn't told be me, following any Buffy you people. You told me I shouldn't be following anybody because of spoilers. No. Yeah. Well, because sometimes they post like throwback photos. Yeah. So I don't want you to see those right. and get spoiled. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. This news story has, you know, I looked into it a little bit and... Uh, some things might have been spoiled for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I so, know. Well, as I was reading it, I was like... There's characters who I'd never seen that were popping up. And I was like, what? What is... Oh, I should not read on. Yeah. 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 Oh, you well. actually sent it to me and we were talking... Well, I talked to you and then you never responded to me. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, stop following Buffy people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, I think that if you are interested in learning more about this, please read Charisma Carpenter's account. I'm not going to get into it, but I did think it was important to talk about it on the podcast because I have long put Joss Whedon on a pedestal, and I think many young women have, um, because of his dedication to strong female characters. And I do think that he and his fellow writers and the actors and everyone involved in bringing his work to life, um, I think that they have done done young women a really great service by creating so many of these characters, you know, who are front and center, powerful and strong, independent and smart, and not overshadowed by men. I personally did not have very many, really any super strong female role models in my life when I was growing up. So like Buffy and Willow kind of were those role models for me. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And those characters would not exist without Joss Whedon. But I think Charisma is incredibly brave for coming forward and speaking her truth. And I do think that Joss needs to answer to this and for it and be held accountable and change his attitude and work ethic or be out of work, plain and simple. Like, that's just my feeling on that. Um, but it doesn't take away from your love for this show. No, it doesn't. It it absolutely doesn't it doesn't take away my love or how it positively impacted my life it's not going to change the fact that this is still my favorite show of all time and always will be and i don't see it as a reason to stop watching it and loving it yeah um i think that's a personal choice because there's a lot i know there are some people who have a hard time separating the artist from the work and i can understand that fully yeah me too i mean i also just think that like so many more people brought this to life than just him. Yeah. You know, right. so yeah, I would, a, I would also production. be not supporting so many other people who were involved and yeah, not supporting Charisma Carpenter. This. Yeah, there's so much work, so many hours and years involved. And, you know, it's a fun show. It's not my yes. favorite show, but it's growing <laughs> on me. Yeah, but it is mine and it always will be. Um, and I'm very grateful for all of the bits of it that has been dropped into my DNA, as you like to say. <laughs> as I've pointed out many a times on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. Cool. Just All thought right. we should talk about that a little cool, bit. Cool, not so cool, but cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else uh, we should catch up on? I don't think so. Nothing okay. really big. Nothing really big life-wise. I brought my iMac home from my studio, so that's why... You're seeing a lot more of my home office. Yeah, the angle is higher. You no longer yeah. have the lens flare coming in from your ceiling light. <laughs> Thank God I no longer have to put a post-it note over my camera. Yeah, use a post-it <laughs> note as an eyebrow, as they call it in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So, so should we just jump into Buffy let's, then? Let's just jump in. Let's <laughs> All just... right, let's do it. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, <laughs> season, Buffy, season two, episode five, Reptile, Reptile Boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> we had, last week we had a... Inca Mummy Girl. Inca Mummy Girl, mm -hmm. and now we've got Reptile Boy. Right. It's a good time. Yeah, um, this is a good time. This <laughs> And for three quarters of this episode, I'm like, where the hell is this Reptile Boy? I was, I was sold... 
a reptile boy in the title, and I have <laughs> not gotten any reptile boy. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, sometimes good things come to those who wait, Pat. Yeah, and you know <laughs> and... what? Well, we'll get into it later. <laughs> so Once the original air it. date for Reptile Boy is October 13th, 1997, and this was both written and directed by David Greenwald. All right, so your predictions from the past couple episodes, well, past episode, is Willow needed someone pining over her, so she gets that with Oz, who was introduced in Inca Mummy Girl. Yeah, no Oz in this episode. What a tease. It's like, why do you give us such a cool new character, and then all of a sudden, they're not here anymore? Yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? I don't like that. I don't either. Believe okay. me. <laughs> Believe me. Oh, if you don't yeah. like it, I don't like it like 10 times Seriously. as much. My heart throb. Seth right. Green. <laughs> so you said Oz will fall in love with Willow, which will cause tension with Xander. And then Xander will be all like, wait a minute, maybe I do like Willow. And there will be a lot of love triangles because that's the WB's sweet spot. Yep. We won't see any more of the Inca mummy characters. No. Rodney Munson is gone forever, much to your Sadly. dismay. Yeah, gone too soon. Love that Gone guy. too soon. Rodney Munson. You said that Miss Calendar will be back when the big bad slash Spike is around. And you also said that the big, big bad is Spike and he'll be back in the next episode, meaning this episode, and that doesn't happen. So yeah, we don't get Spike, we don't get Oz. No Spike, Ugh. no Oz. And then from episode, from our podcast episode 14, when we watched Some Assembly Required... You said that Cordelia will be a damsel in distress three more times in this season, used as bait, or someone will try to kill or uggify her. She will be constantly in peril. That's what you said. Yeah. So I found that to be relevant. Sounds like something I would say. I'm pretty good at transcribing what you say. (laughs) My madness (laughs) in predictions. Uh, So yeah, that, that being said, that being Let's said. Let's get into this episode. Okay. Uh, so we open with Buffy, Willow, and Xander watching and not at all understanding what is going on in a Bollywood movie at Buffy's house. And they're musing over how slow of a night it is. Willow suggests that they go and go to the bronze and sneak in our own tea bags and ask for hot water. And Xander says, hop off the outlaw train, Will, before you land us all in jail. (laughs) Yeah, so Willow's sitting on the floor, and Buffy and Xander are laying on the bed, like, prone behind her. And aren't they both playing with their hair or braiding her hair? They're, like, braiding her hair, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what is this? This is some sort of cutesy little sleepover here. Yeah, it's cute, cutesy little fun friend times. So then uh, we cut to a big old mansion where a window on the second floor breaks and a girl busts through it climbs down the balcony and runs, chased by many hooded and robed figures. She's quite acrobatic too. It's like she's I mean, she the... doesn't like somersault off of the But she, you know. when she vaults over the uh, stone wall, when she yeah. runs across the yard and then vaults and then into the graveyard. She doesn't vault. Oh, she kind of like climbs over. She vaults over it. Over it. <laughs> no, she, she doesn't. Spring this vaults. Isn't like... This yeah. isn't like the Olympics. Pole vaults. Yeah, she grabs a flagpole, <laughs> you know, out of their stupid little yard, and she pole vaults over the uh, large. None of this wall. happens, listeners. Don't believe a word. Well, that they Pat watch the saying. show. They know. <laughs> she scales a wall. Scale is the appropriate term. Hop. 
She hops. And <laughs> she scales a wall into a graveyard before she's finally caught by a pretty boy, blonde-haired guy who says to her, Callie, Callie, where are you going? The party's just getting started. You said Party. that like a like an echo. Callie, Callie. Callie, Where, Callie. where are you where? going? going? Where? Party, 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 party. At first, when I saw this guy, I was like, what's Angel doing in a robe? <laughs> what? I, I thought it was David Boreanaz. I was like, this he is had, totally Angel. He had like luxurious blonde hair. Yeah, I know. When you see him more in the light later, I was like, okay, it's not Angel. It's this other guy. But he didn't even have his hood up and you could see his blonde hair. Uh, well, you know, you know me, I'm not and the hair. most, you know, me and hair. <laughs> I was like, look <laughs> at that poofy locks. This is what I don't like of Angel's hair. <laughs> Angel, it's getting really, really out of control now, yeah. buddy. <laughs> also, it's the 90s. People would frost their hair at the drop oh, of a yeah. dime. They'd Frosted be like, tips all yeah. day. Yeah. It is like a Tuesday afternoon. Be like, hey, you want to frost your tips? Yeah. So I can yeah. see. Did Angel you have frosted tips in the Almost 90s? Almost this close. Oh, yeah. And then this you were like, wait close. a minute. <laughs> it wasn't even the 90s. I was a year too late. It was the year 2000. Oh, Pat. And I was in Alaska with my cousins. Oh, <laughs> so you actually were going to have frosted tips. I was going to have frosted tips. Yeah, but not Arctic frost. It's warm in Alaska in the summer, okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. But no, my uh, my cousins are like, yeah, hey, you should do it. That'd be good. Good luck for you. NSYNC was very big at the time. so. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I would have loved to see that. There's still time. I could still do it. I think you should. Hey, we're in quarantine. Who cares? And you're yeah. always wearing a hat. I'm careening towards the midlife crisis, anywho. So I might as well just get it over with. <laughs> yeah, do it. Buy yeah. a, you know, buy a crazy car. Crazy uh, car? Yeah, buy like a convertible. Oh, like a cool Get car. some frosted tips. Yeah. And just, you know, go all out. Yeah. I get a really cool tattoo. Yeah. Like you did. Yeah, I just did. Look at this. Look at this sweet ink. I know. Mine Come would on. be like more badass though, like flames, you know? Oh, yeah. Like oh, a, yeah. Like Gotta a torch. Like a lost torch. Oh, you know? yeah. Or like a tribal tattoo. Ooh. Yeah. Doesn't Jack have some tattoos? I'll just get yeah, whatever just, he's got. Yeah, just get whatever he has. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'll Google that real quick. <laughs> wow, I can't wait for your midlife crisis. <laughs> Me neither. It's going to be pretty exciting. I am real excited for this train to be derailed. Yeah, yeah. this podcast um, is just about to get turnt up. <laughs> turnt. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> this pretty boy, blonde guy who is not Angel, shoves Callie over to the other guys who were chasing after her. And they take her away while he sort of like shadily looks around, then pulls his hood over his head and follows the rest of the road peeps. And yeah. we cut to the intro. I didn't know who they were at first. It makes sense that they turn into frat guys. But at first I was like, what is this? Just like a monastery of some really hunky monks? <laughs> the hunky monks? The hunky monk group, you know? Hunky monkeys? Yeah, they like all hang around and frost their tips and then, you know, pray. Read books, <laughs> chase a rogue uh, girl through a graveyard. You know how you do. The huge. The huge. <laughs> get t get tribal tattoos. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> At Sunnydale High the next day, we hear, hear Cordelia's loud and kind of unhinged forced laughing. 
cutting through the din of students as she's explaining to some poor helpless girl um, how she read some doctor said when a man is speaking you make serious eye contact and you really really listen and you laugh at everything he says i mean it works okay <laughs> yeah but not the way that she's crazy laughing yeah that's a little if over someone the were to laugh like that at you you'd be like okay i'd be like all <laughs> right yeah this is not genuine <laughs> but I yeah, I think probably 30% of the male population probably fall for that. Hmm. You know. Okay. Some men, it doesn't take much at all. Yeah. You just look at them and they're like, oh, she wants me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then Willow and Buffy uh, are walking and talking about Buffy's latest dream about Angel. Third night in a row, she's dreamt about him. And Willow says that they're so right for each other, minus him being a vampire. Buffy says she can't have a relationship with him, so Willow suggests that they go out for coffee at night because coffee is the non-relationship drink of choice. Oh, I love coffee. Sammy, you have to start drinking coffee. You don't want to see me on coffee, Pat. But I, I do. I've wanted to for years, and I think it would be... You know what? I'll, I'll I'm make, crazy. I'll make an agreement with you. Oh, boy. <laughs> I frost my tips. You drink some coffee. Uh, yeah, 100%. I will do that. Okay. If that means you're going to frost your tips, I am in. Man, I'm in quarantine. I'll frost my tips tomorrow morning. Who's going to do it for you, Amy? Sure. All the kids grab some Elmer's glue and some, you know, we'll figure it out. No, you have to actually do it. You have to get like a real dye kit. Oh, real and kit? And actually frost your tips. Okay. Highlighters don't count? No. All right. Well, I'll get back to you on that. You want to make that bargain again? Mm, let me think about it. Keep going. Where am I? Oh, my God. Coffee. Right. Drink of choice. <laughs> Xander catches the tail end of what they're saying, is completely lost, and then winds up in Cordelia's crosshairs as she's going on about dating a college guy, a Delta Zeta Kappa. And I was like, um, what happened to Devin, Cordelia? Leather jacket, yeah. sunglasses wearing lead singer of a band isn't good enough for yeah, you? Yeah, how do you move on from that cool guy so quickly? <laughs> That guy was so cool. So cool, unless he moved on from her, because lead singer, you know. Well, he could be out gigging, you know? Yeah. So Xander and Cordelia trade insults before he decides to just walk away. The bell rings, and Buffy realizes that she's late to meet Giles. And in the library, Giles says, Just because the paranormal is more normal and less para of late is no excuse for tardiness or letting your guard down. He accuses Buffy of being lax with her training, so he tests her, and of course, she bests him. Slides right across the table. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) Uh, Then he drives home that she should be using this downtime to train and hone her skills, but she's not having it, saying Giles doesn't understand what it's like to be 16, a girl and a slayer, and having feelings for a vampire as she's also slaying vampires. They go back and forth, but finally Giles lays down the law and tells her to return to the library after school to get her homework done. Which I was kind of like, this is a very parent move. Like, isn't her mom the one who should be saying, like, come home and get your homework done? Rather than Giles? Yeah. Well, Giles is like, he's like the de facto parent of Buffy. Yeah. He's taken on the fatherly role, in a way. He's her watcher. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. He's a watcher. He's got to watch her and make sure that she's patrolling and on guard because of the Mm -hmm. baddies. But after school, 
Buffy sits on a railing and talks to Willow and Xander, Cordelia rudely bumping into Willow on her way to talk to Richard, who is the blonde-haired, dimple-chinned, hooded guy that you thought was Angel. Not Angel, definitely Richard. When I see him in the sunlight, I'm like, okay, it's not Angel. Oh, that's a Richard, all right. Yeah. If I ever saw one. Oh, he looks like a real Richard. (laughs) Yeah. Like a real big, glistening Richard. (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh richard is the guy that we saw catching callie in the graveyard last night he's driving a black bmw with super dark tinted windows really living up to his name definitely a richard car yeah uh and there's another less douchey looking guy in the passenger seat you think he's less douchey looking i thought he was a little bit more normal looking normal i'd love to see your scale of what douchey boys look like (laughs) i think it depends on the you know it depends on the boy but like context i mean i maybe the pure fact that richard is driving this car and this guy is in the passenger seat conveys to me that he's less douchey yeah I don't know. He also didn't have a dimple chin and his hair was shorter. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking so. about. Shorter hair, dimple chin. Yeah. Longer but hair. I mean, I mean, a guy with a dimple chin could also not be He could be douchey. a totally nice guy. Like Tom yeah. Brady. Super nice guy. Dimple chin. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Just won his is seventh he? Super Bowl. I've met him. He's a great guy. Is he a nice guy? Very nice guy. Like overly nice where you're like, wow, this guy can't get any nicer. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know anything about Tom Super Brady. nice. Super Sports nice guy. Balls. Very cool. All right. Um, Richard is in the car. And Cordelia walks over and he tells her about a gathering they're having the following night. She does her crazed fake laugh How's in that reaction. Sound? She's like, ha, 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 Which yeah, I that... actually think is a really good, <laughs> I think that's a really good impersonation. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it hurt my ears. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, I would not yeah. fall for that. That's ex- that's like exactly how she does it. I would back up. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, uh, what? Like, why are you laughing this way? Yeah. And then Richard asks who her friend, indicating Buffy, is, and she says, "She's not my friend." The other guy in the car goes, "She's amazing," which I was like. Fucking what? just looking at what do you what do you know? She's what? amazing. What Oz can say that, but uh, this guy without the dimple chin can't. Oz doesn't say she's amazing. He's just like, who's that girl? Yeah, it's like the same thing. They're saying the no. same thing here. No, he's saying she's amazing. You right. don't know anything about her. Right, but it's you know it's like this love at first sight thing, you know. No, it's a different thing. Nah, it is a different Oz thing. Oz is because asking, you know what? who is she? <laughs> He's trying to bait up for Reptile Boy, so once we know the true story, <laughs> hey, hey, it makes spoiler it a alert. little spookier. <laughs> they watch the show. We've been over this. <laughs> Listen, nothing Seth Green can do is bad, okay? Okay. You want to know what my douche scale is? On the never, ever a douche is Seth Green. Never, ever. Huge douche always looking like a douche scale and is this guy richard, richard okay yeah douche zillion richard is uh not a stand-up guy no okay oh my god where are we all right she's amazing cordelia says she, she's more like a sister like you know to cover for the fact that she right. doesn't They're really best like friends Buffy. all of a sudden 
Richard asks her to introduce them, which Cordy clearly does not want to do, but she obliges, grabbing Buffy, even though she says, I don't want to meet any fraternity boys. Richard says to Buffy, hi, sweetheart, I'm Richard, and you are douche, douche, move. Richard, Sawyer, long blonde hair, douche yeah. scale. Don't okay? walk up to a gal and call her sweetheart or any No, pet this name. isn't the South, okay? What? It's okay in the South? If it's... Yeah, that's like what they do. And it's that's okay. what they do in the South. <laughs> yeah. It's like what they do at diners. Yeah, and the like Nolans. Diner hey, lady sweetie. comes up. Hey, sweetie, can I get you hey, a honey refill pie. on that? And you say yes. You always. want some sweet tea? Always. Always. Yes. Always. You yes always take sweet the sweet tea. pie. <laughs> sweet tea. <laughs> always take the sweet tea or the sweet pie. <laughs> take it. <laughs> Just take always it. yes. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way. <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> Uh, and Buffy, so he says, um, you know, I'm Richard and you are. And she says, so not interested, which I was like, boom, that's what I would say. She starts to turn away, but Cordelia pulls you her back. You would not say that. I know uh, you in yeah, real life. I would have. Nah, you wouldn't say it. This is what you would say. All right, you be the guy and I'll be you. <laughs> Hi, sweetheart. I'm Richard and you oh. are. Hi. Well, I'm Sammy. So nice to meet you. That's what you would say. How you doing there, Richard? Yeah, how you doing there, Richard? But the thing is, I would say that, and then I'd punch him in the balls, and then I'd say, now how you doing there, Richard? You know, you talk a big game. You talk a big game. Yeah. Yeah. Little girl, big game. (laughs) (laughs) That's the subtitle of my autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, We can start a book on how many titles we we have for your books. (laughs) I know. Okay. Uh, so this guy sucks. Richard asks if she's playing hard to get. And then the other guy joins them saying, no, Richard, I think you're playing easy to resist. Blech. Buffy continues to try to walk away, but the second guy steps in front of her and tells her to ignore Richard and introduces himself as Tom Warner, a senior at Crestwood College. And he does seem like a kind of nice guy. But really... She's going to fall for this guy. This is your girl, Sammy. She's falling for him. I don't think she's really falling for him, but he eh, is she's like... She's pretty smitten right he's away. He's like, she's don't worry about this guy. Sorry. You know, he's like kind of apologizing for his yeah, douche friend. I don't know. He's like, he's not even my friend, really. You know, whatever. I'd like to think I'd be a little bit more discerning, but maybe not. I think if I was in Buffy's shoes, I'd probably feel the same way. Like, okay, yeah. this guy seems to be a little bit nicer. Okay. You know, can't can't judge every guy by one of their dumb friends. All right. They chat a little bit and Tom brings up the party and the whole time Xander is sort of like in the background with Willow trying to will Buffy to walk away from Tom. Buffy turns down his invite gently and then Giles interrupts them with a great exaggerated finger tap on his watch that I feel like you and I really need to start using. <laughs> Yeah, why is that not a GIF? Because we'd use that all the time. I'm sure that it is a GIF, and if not, we should make it one because we, we always we gotta use add it. that to our GIF game. Yeah, we always use the uh, Judge Judy doing that, tapping yeah. her. That 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 that. You're late. Yeah, you're late. Yeah. I mean, usually it's you to me, but yeah, I feel you're like I've usually done the late one. Once or twice. You've done it to me once. Mm, maybe twice. Mm. In any case, we should make this a GIF and use it. Okay. Buffy tells Tom it was nice to meet him, then rushes off after Giles. Xander tells Willow he hates these guys. 
And then we cut to the library cage. Giles emerges with arm pads and a sword in one hand and a wooden rod in the other, warning Buffy that he won't be pulling any punches. Wait, is and this then, when she throws him across the table? Uh, I think she does it twice. Oh. <laughs> she does it She does it early on, earlier on, and then this time too. Okay. I don't think she actually throws him across the table this time, but she does e- easily overcome him, and then he dismisses her to go on patrol. Buffy, is, then we cut to Buffy patrolling later that night in the cemetery, and she finds a broken bracelet with capital E-N-T on it. And it's broken as if, like, there might be more letters before the E-N-T. You know I'm E-N-T, I'm dynamite, E-N-T, I'll win this fight. <laughs> you got it. I'm so proud of you, Pat. Yeah, I thought I'd add a little flair to this week. Thank you. <laughs> Usually it's me breaking into song, but I'm delighted when it's you. Yeah. (laughs) So Angel sneaks up. I didn't even think of that one. Uh, Angel sneaks up and tells Buffy that there's blood on the bracelet because he he can smell it. Um, And Buffy tries to broach the subject. I know, it's kind of gross, but that's what he feeds on. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Oh, right. I forgot you don't like it. Don't like it. Feed. Yeah. It's like I feed on my coffee every morning. Listen, if I could smell chocolate, I'd be like, you know. I'm going to go feed on that chocolate. I'm going to go feed on that chocolate. (laughs) If my life subsisted of me eating chocolate, my nose would be finely tuned to pick up chocolate smells. Right. If that's all you had to rely upon for your sustenance. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I get it. Um... So Buffy tries to broach the subject of a date and Angel gets super serious about how it can't happen, saying, if we date, you and I both know one thing's going to lead to another. And, you know, he talks about how it could get out of control. Buffy yeah, vampire says, babies. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine the breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> Yowza. <laughs> no, that's why, that's why the fangs are on the side. Oh, yeah, yeah Just, I guess. Yeah, guess, it's all right. Don't, don't worry know. about it. But as you know, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we don't need to get into the mechanics. All right. (laughs) And she says, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? He grabs her and pulls her closer. And he says, this isn't some fairy tale. When I kiss you, you don't look you, you big dummy. And he starts shaking her. Come on. (laughs) Pat, you're ruining a beautiful moment here. (laughs) Sorry. I just had a funny, funny (laughs) image in my head. I had to get it out for the listeners. I get it. They appreciate it. it. Yeah, sure. Okay. So he says, when I kiss you, you don't wake up from a deep sleep and live happily ever after. And she says, no, when you kiss me, I want to (laughs) die. And then she runs off. So dramatic. It was dramatic. That was was actually kind of a nice moment. Yeah. Although the the more I think about it, the age thing really kind of wigs me out. 16 versus 241. Yeah. I mean, really? It's a lot. I mean, just think of the difference between 30 and 16. Yeah. Now add another 211 years onto that. You're still attracted (laughs) to somebody that young? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. It is creepy on the one hand. On the other hand, you know, we don't know how old Angel is, like, biologically, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, he's probably... You think he's like arrested development? Like, he's like, I only grow up to be 21, and that's... 
My brain yeah, doesn't like get any wiser. Yeah, like he's probably he's probably like in his twenties. That's why I can't remember my haircut day. <laughs> <laughs> Next day, Buffy's having some deep thoughts at school. Cordelia interrupts her with compliments that turn quickly into insults and then tries to convince her to go to the frat party, getting very emotional when she explains that Richard's family runs many companies, including a cosmetics one. Oh, my God. She says, Buffy, these men are rich, and I am not being shallow. Think of all the poor people I could help with all my money. Buffy, defeated and sad, agrees to go. Hmm. Then in a creepy basement slash master type lair situation place, we see a bunch of guys with hoods, and a guy seems to be like taking a pledge getting something carved into his chest by a sword. You know, the usual fraternity shenanigans. Yikes. The oath is, I pledge my life and my death to the Delta Zeta Kappas and to Makita, whom we serve. On my oath before my assembled brethren, I promise to keep our secret from this day until my death. In blood I was baptized, in blood I shall reign in his name. Yeah, I was like Makita, like the power tool company. Like so, the drills? It's really funny that you say that. Is there trivia around this? There might be some trivia around this. Oh, fun. <laughs> so we got to find out who this Makita fellow is. Yeah, we sure do. Then they say it's brewski time. And <laughs> <laughs> brewski time. <laughs> and then they say it's brewski time. <laughs> it's brewski time. <laughs> That's what they said. One of them says that, that I'm pretty sure. Said. Yeah. They throw uh, each other a brewski. Yeah. yeah, and then we see Callie chained up. Womp. That was the girl from the beginning. Yes, Callie is her name. The one who vaulted over the wall. Who scaled the wall. Mm. Okay, potato, potato. Mm-hmm. Shmushmato, shmushmato. Mm-hmm. Back at Sunnydale High, Buffy tells Willow and Xander she's going to the frat party with Cordelia. And after getting over that initial shock... Willow and Buffy discuss Angel's mixed-up signals and how... Mixed-up signals? His mixed signals. And how at least Tim, the nicer, less douchey-looking frat guy, can carry on a conversation. Xander's piping in behind them with the occasional disparaging remark about either Angel or Tom. Tim? Tim. Tom. Tim. Tom. Tom Werner. Tom. Yep. Come on, it's get your get your douchey frat Tom. guys right. <laughs> Where did I get? You got to keep from? them straight. I don't know. Tim, Tam, Tom. Okay, it's Tom. <laughs> then we cut to Giles sneakily leaving his office to enter the library at large with a sword behind his back, taking a few swings and saying to the empty room, "Will you be ready if a vampire is behind you?" And Buffy, Willow, and Xander walk in. <laughs> <laughs> then he tosses a sword into the cage behind him and closes it embarrassed <laughs> i just like love this part so much because it reminds me of like i don't know just like walking in on like a kid doing something weird and then they're like embarrassed about it oh yeah it's happened it's happened oh, to yeah. me where you know you're acting something out you know it's all in your head and yeah and you're just like duh, 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 doing a thing yeah, yeah. and then like your mom walks by and you're like huh. Yeah, like, oh, sorry, you weren't supposed to see all this. And if you could see what was happening in my brain, it would fill it out. But it's going to take too long to explain. 
yeah, Giles is embarrassed. Buffy tells Giles about the bracelet. Willow says that she recognizes it, but she can't place exactly from from like what. Xander and Giles agree that Buffy should patrol and then they'll reconvene. But Buffy says that she isn't available. She's got a lot of homework. Her mom isn't feeling well. And come to think of it, she isn't either. Lies, Buffy. Lies, lies, dirty lies. lies. And Willow gives her an incredulous look. But Giles lets her off the hook. And then back in the hallway, Willow is not happy that Buffy lied to Giles, especially when she did it to go to quote, a frat party where there's going to be drinking and older guys and probably an orgy. Which perks uh, or piques Xander's interest. Yes. He's like, I... He's like an orgy. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why aren't I on the mailing list? <laughs> yeah. And Buffy says, look, seven days a week, I am busy saving the world. Once in a while, I want to have some fun. And that's what I'm going to do. have tonight. Fun. Then we cut to Buffy sitting at a table with Cordelia, who is telling Buffy that this is not, in fact, about fun, but about helping Cordelia achieve permanent prosperity. She gives Buffy pointers on what she can and can't wear and how to act, including the crazy laughing. (laughs) Xander and Willow approach, and Xander says, So, Cor, are you printing up business cards with your pager number and hours of operation, or just going with a halter top tonight? Yeek. Being very slut-shamey little bit a little bit but also that's cordelia's strength and superpower is mm-hmm. her looks that's what she always leads with yeah so and being with different guys mm-hmm. that's kind of what he's talking about oh okay yeah i might have missed that part are you printing up business cards with your pager number and hours of operation see i thought he was talking more about like because she was giving lessons to buffy but she was like she's be... like a tutor to like teach you how to be teach you, know, you how to live teach you how to like flirt with dudes mm. that's what i thought he was referring to oh you no, thought she I was think, saying i think he's saying because he he's escort. like you're bringing them to the party the frat party like you're not gonna hand out cards about how to talk to dudes to a bunch of dudes at a frat party that's true yeah, I think he's alluding to yeah. sexual deviancy. Mm, well, see, went right over my head. Mm, I'm just well, too pure for this show, you know? You are. This you know, show you're just a little innocent baby. so PG-13, <laughs> way over my head. <laughs> and then Xander and Willow walk away and have their own private conversation. Willow says that she'll help out Giles, and Xander decides that he's going to go to the party. Willow says, you want to protect her? Prove that you're just as good as those rich, snotty guys? Maybe catch an orgy? And Xander says, if it's on early. Um, At the frat house that night, music is blaring. Cordy drives up with Buffy, rear-ends a car, and then just (laughs) walks in. (laughs) Well, first she says, why do they all... She goes, ugh, why do they always park so close to you? (laughs) (laughs) Right, she just like pulls in there it's not like she's pulling in between two no, cars trying she to parallel clearly park. smashed into a car's back bumper trying to yes. park yes and then <laughs> got annoyed by their parking job it was so hilarious. back to what you were saying a couple episodes ago yeah where you were like is should cordelia be allowed to drive because wasn't she really bad at driving school yeah, clearly and she was not. bad in driving school because she was bewitched and lost her eyesight but right Clearly, she is. She's still a, pretty a terrible bad driver, driver. Yeah. or at least a bad parker. Under pressure, she's okay because she drove through the school. Yeah, but, but also, 
you know, she was crashing into things then too, so. Right, but warranted in an emergency, but casual driving and still smashing into bumpers. Yeah. So Cordelia doesn't care that she crashed into someone. (laughs) It's just to a car. And then she goes into the party. Buffy seems a little bit hesitant in the car, but she goes in. Richard hands them drinks. Buffy asks if there's alcohol in them. And when he says just a smidge, she puts it down. But Cordelia doesn't and walks away with him. Buffy just sort of lurks in the corner. Xander very gracefully sneaks in through a window. (laughs) He kind of jumbles his way in through the side window. (laughs) Falling all over the place. Oh, boy. Oh, Xander. Um, but he is blending in with khakis and a red polo shirt. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I, I, you I have saw... this outfit. Yeah, I have this outfit. And I'm like, you know what? He's trying to look nice for this party. And this is exactly what I would try to wear I if know. I was trying to look nice at a party. I look like I a was like, total I was like, dweeb. Hey, Pat has this exact outfit. <laughs> hey, hey. Well, because weren't you trying to be what? What were you trying to be on Halloween one day? State Farm guy. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, uh, what was his name? Jake. Jake, Jake. from State. Jake State, from Farm. State Farm. Yeah, red polo khakis. That, so there you go. That's, yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, huh. Yeah, this totally is a very outfit. pat. <laughs> and I just got a new polo last year that looks even closer to that shade of red that he had on. Oh, hilarious. So, yeah, so, yeah this is quintessential frat boy attire. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you were breaking in, you would have worn that exact outfit. If I was trying to look nice at some sort of party, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Buffy considers her drink and then puts it back down. And then when a guy across the room raises his glass to her, she takes a sip. Then Tom saves her from nearly being run down by a drunk guy, pulling her onto the floor to slow dance and have a nice chat about being responsible. Yeah, that guy was uh, the drunk guy who was just flying around. Yeah, he was like, new girl or something like that. He was losing his mind. (laughs) Yeah, he's like a a bull in the china shop. There's always always one, at least one. Have you ever been to a party like that? Yeah. Yeah, I used to dress like Xander. I'd show up and be like, "Hi, ho there, ladies. And you play with, you have little lobster claws that you play with? Yeah. Yeah, no, I've been to party, big, bigger parties like that, probably in college. Yeah. They were never really my, my scene because the nights always ended the same and it was always kind of depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went a couple, like it was just, it depended, it was kind of like the, people i was dating at the time but i guess it's also just like for me it was the same it was like college you know like that's sort of what you do i guess yeah um and like if you know that's pretty much what all my friends were doing you know so that's and i know for a little while like i was dating a guy who was i think he was like two years older than me and he was yeah because he was like 21 and i was 19 so we became like the party house because he was the only one who could like legally buy beer Mm. Um, that was not a great time. That was a, there was a lot of people who threw up in various places in our apartment <laughs> yeah, just all the time. It's no fun. So, no fun. I did people not like sick, being a party house. People starting fights. Yeah. People doing things that you're like, ah, shouldn't be doing that. Like drugs or having sex in our yeah, bed. Yeah, that's that always a weird, weird thing to walk into. Drugs? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you like walk into a room with like your friend and there's like a guy like 
setting up cocaine. You're like, mm, this was the wrong room, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Has this happened to you at a party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm just imagining, is it Crocodile Dundee? Is that the thing that no, you... No, no, no. It's more like scene this, did you send it, me? More, yeah, you've seen the Crocodile Dundee scene. Okay, right? yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> it's more like the scene from Superbad when mm. Michael Sarah walks in on the bunch of guys doing coke. And then oh, he starts yeah. singing. These eyes did it, did it, did it. Cry every night for you. Oh my god, yeah, that, that was, movie! I haven't that was seen like that movie in forever. Me at one party, I'm like, Dad, I didn't mean to walk into this room. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. Drugs. Yeah, where's the nearest window? You <laughs> <laughs> used to scare oh, the hell funny. out of me. Okay. Oh god, that's hilarious. Yeah. I can just see that happening. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Xander enters the party. And they're slow dancing, and he's like, she, you know, telling Buffy she should relax and enjoy herself every once in a while. You know, t- you should relax, Pat. Enjoy yourself every once in a while. Try some drugs. <laughs> nope, that wasn't me. <laughs> Xander is entertaining some ladies with lobster claw humor, yeah. and then some of the frat guys notice that he's a crasher and decide to make him a new pledge and drag him away. Buffy the- walks outside by herself and notices some of the glass broken. Uh, from the window above. Tom follows her out, and then Richard hands them drinks, and Buffy gulps it down. She's saying, like, she's tired of being mature. Yeah, time to take a shot of Rufy Cola. Not a good idea. Oh, boy, Buffy. This is where I started to get really uncomfortable in the show. I'm like, Mm -hmm. God, I don't like this scenario. I've Mm -mm. never, never liked this type of atmosphere. Yeah. The crazy guys taking advantage of whatever yep roofies don't like this it's just it's just got dread written all over it yeah so that's a little bit like when i was talking earlier about how like sort of the cultural ties in this episode um you know just like the larger like frat culture and that kind of thing um that's that's where watching it this time around made me um not not that i like this episode but just be like oh you know kind of consider it from a i guess a little bit more of a wider perspective than just the weird i don't know storyline the reptile boy yeah so i'll I'll get into that a little bit more at the end like after we kind of talk through some of the other things that happened but Back at the library, Willow works out the bracelet is from Kent, so it's K-E-N-T, preparatory school, which is just outside of town, and pulls up the school's newsletter to uh, from the past few months where she finds an article about a missing girl named Callie. Back at the party, Xander is getting cross-dressed in a skirt and a very big bra, yeah. uh, lipstick and a blonde wig, and he's forced to dance while Buffy is stumbling around in the background. Uh, not really in the background. I don't know why I said that. Sanders happening, and then we see Buffy stumbling around. <laughs> well, yeah, she's sort of, she walks by the room that this is happening because his back is to her. Right? Yeah. So it's sort of in the background. Yeah. yeah. Um, then and she's she like, makes... I'm just going to go up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, so she kind of like makes her way upstairs. I, yeah. She's, I, I get the impulse because she's like trying to find a quiet place. Like yeah. I remember being really drunk 
at parties like this and being like, I just need to like sit in a quiet space, like mm. away from where everything is happening. That's so that's true. kind of what she's doing. She makes her way upstairs into what looks like an empty bedroom and she lies down on the bed and then Richard finds her and starts like touching her décolleté. So kind of like up here, not the what you call it. It's her, her décolleté. Décolleté? What yeah. language are you speaking? What is this? It's English. <laughs> décolleté? Well, it's French, but that's what oh, this is. Décolleté? But that's what this is called. It's like under your neck, not like not like her boobies. It's like above her boobies. It's her décolleté. That's what you call it, eh? <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I call it, eh? Um, so this gets also super uncomfortable. Yeah. And then Tom comes in and pulls Richard away saying, she's not here for your fun, you pervert. She's here for the pleasure of the one we serve. Yeah. At first I was like, wait a minute. Are they going to make Tom a good guy? Because you're thinking from the beginning, oh, this guy's just dressing up to be a good guy, right? Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, oh, he actually is? Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, yeah, he's she's here for the pleasure of the one we serve. And then you're like, oh. Uh, and then I was like, it's got to be a reptile stock boy. stock is plummeting, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Tom. So then Richard looks down and he says, in his name, like kind of a pledge. In his name. And then he said, and then Tom says, and that goes for the other one too. And the camera tilts down to reveal Cordelia passed out on the floor. Yeah. At the library, Giles is reading through the article that Willow found and suggests that they call Buffy, but Willow stops him. She's like, no, but Buffy and her mom. And, and he's like, oh, right. They're not feeling well. So then Willow discovers that there are more girls that disappeared a year ago, almost to the day. Giles says that it could be an anniversary or a date that is somehow significant to the killer. And Willow suggests that they call Angel, since Angel was with Buffy when she found the bracelet. Xander gets booted from the party, still dressed as a woman. And then in the frat basement, Tom is kneeling down with huge, like, diamond shapes cut into his chest, which kind of reminded me of Silence of the Lambs. We have to talk real quick. We got more naked Xander. Yes! That's so funny, because I don't, I didn't put it in my notes here, but as Dave and I were watching this through the first time, I was like, naked I was Xander. like, well, Pat said he wanted more naked Xander, and here we go. Again, I'm not sure if I said I wanted it. I just said I predicted it. <laughs> we'll have to check it. the tape. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but you did predict more naked Xander, and technically we are getting more naked Xander. There you go. More naked Xander. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> I didn't put that as one of your predictions, and I should have. That's I'm okay. I'm sorry about that. The listeners remember. Tom is getting big diamond shapes cut into his chest. He has these like diamond shaped scars in the front of his chest. And then Richard is using the sword to cut more into Tom's back. Um, and everyone is chanting in whispers. Cordelia and Buffy are chained up like Callie and Callie says, one of them is one of them's different than the others, nicer. Buffy says, Tom. And then Callie says, he's the one to watch out for. Yeah, it's the quiet ones you got to watch out for. Mm-hmm. You should know that by now. Yeah. Should I? Mm-hmm. Me, personally? Everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Tom looks at Buffy and declares, she's last. And then he picks up a bag of stones and drops out three, one for each girl. 
He cleanses them with some special water as Buffy urges Cordelia, who's all worked up, to calm down. And Cordy says, why did I ever let you talk me into coming here? (laughs) Tom turns slowly to look at them all in a very broody and dramatic sort of way. So this is when I thought, Tom kind of looks like PETA from Hunger Games, just taller. Oh, I could see that. See? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that. Interesting. That's the end of that reflection. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At the library, Angel is relaying what he knows to Giles as Willow is mesmerized by Angel's lack of reflection. She says, Angel, how do you shave? (laughs) Yeah, this is like a question I've had. I know. Thank you, Willow. You're asking the hard questions, but nobody's answering them. Nobody's answering them, but at least they're being asked, unlike in Lost. That's true. Willow realizes the place Buffy found the bracelet was near the fraternity house, and that's when she spills the beans that Buffy's there with Cordelia. Leaky bucket. You are Willow. But she needed to. It was a life or death situation at this point. Giles is upset that Buffy lied to her, and then Angel asked if Buffy had a date, and then Willow lets them have it. She says to Angel, well... Why do you think she went to that party? Because you gave her the brush off. And then to Giles, and you never let her do anything except work and patrol. And I know she's the chosen one, but you're killing her with the pressure. I mean, she's 16 going on 40. And then back to Angel, she says, and you, I mean, you're going to live forever. You don't have time for a cup of coffee? Yeah, and she pauses. Willow. I know. Give them I was the like, business. I was like, fuck yeah, Willow. Yeah, Stand up for your friend. Hear it. Yeah. Good for Willow. Telling it like it is, because Buffy's not going to say any of this stuff. Yeah. So you got to leave it to Willow. And then she pauses and says, okay, I don't feel better now, and we got to help Buffy. And she storms off. Mm. (laughs) And Giles and Angel follow behind her. Xander spots Cordelia's car outside the frat house. And do you remember what her license plate is? Nope. It's Queen C. Oh, I've seen that before in a different episode, I think. Yeah, it was probably in uh it was probably in the season finale. Queen C, kind of like Queen B, like Beyoncé. Yeah, but C. This is pre-Beyoncé. Yes. Well, I mean Queen B is just a thing, like being a queen bee. Oh, right. It was like a, a thing that existed <laughs> That's before where that comes Beyonce. from. <laughs> like Buzz Buzz Bee. I get it. Yes, and then it was like the queen bee is like the popular girl at school, and Cordelia is a popular girl at school, but she's C because Cordelia. Yeah. Uh, Then Tom, holding the sword, invokes Makita. He says, we have no wealth, no possession, except that which you give us. We have no power, no place in the world, except that which you give us. And all the other brothers are chanting behind him. It'd be funny if it was a product placement for Makita drills and he's like, we have no power except for this amazing green power drill which has the <laughs> torque. <laughs> yeah, zzz, zzz, and it even has a hammer mode too. And look at how I can put these girls in chains. Yeah, these chains would not come out with a Makita drill. <laughs> Here's store brand. <laughs> yeah, lame store brand is in black and white. now we need to make that commercial um and then cordelia says what are they some kind of cult or something and buffy says yeah psycho cult which i'm like uh (laughs) that's pretty much the definition of cults (laughs) it's like psycho they're all a little bit crazy (laughs) that's that's how you get you know there's got to be some like sweet cults out there 
some like cults that aren't off the reservation. Yeah, but then they wouldn't be a cult. Well, like a, a cult. What's the definition much... of cult here? You know. Well, let me look it up for you, Pat. A system of huh? religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Okay. A relatively there... small group of people having religious beliefs or practice regarded by others as strange or sinister. Ooh, sinister. I guess misplaced that or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. Okay, excessive, misplaced. All right. And sinister. It's bordering on psychotic. I was yeah. thinking of like a sweet old lady cult who were like just really into knitting and they like pray to the yarn. Oh, like, know? yeah, like like you would create a cult around the OG Mrs. French. Yeah, like me and Miss French could create a cult of very sweet people who would just go around and knit sweaters. Yeah, but then you wouldn't be a cult because you wouldn't be like sinister or like super obsessive. Right, that's where it dips into the weird. Yeah. So Tom keeps on with his chanting, and he says, It's been a year since our last offering, a year in which our bounty overflowed. We come before you with fresh offerings. Accept our offering, Dark Lord, and bless us with your power, Makita. And then he drops the first stone into some kind of pit, and then says, Come forth and let your terrible countenance look upon your servants and their humble offering. We call you Makita. Makita. And up pops this crazy snake monster. Snake man. That looks kind of like if Voldemort was half snake. Yeah, he's got arms and a snake body. Yeah, he's got like the same kind of nostril slit thing going on. He's got two arms, hands with claws, and the rest of his body is one big snake tail. He is a reptile boy. And when they started dropping the stones into the well, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, reptile boy. This is where the reptile boy comes from. Because I was like... At first, I was like, is Tom going to, like, peel off his skin and be like, actually, they call me a reptile boy. Reptile boy. Yeah, and they're like, reptile boy, reptile boy. Reptile boy. And he starts hopping around like like, a frog. They're, like, shaking, like, snake skins. Right, yeah. I thought it was going to go somewhere like that. Yeah. But it did not. I had no idea. And then no he, peels, he peels off some of his snake skin and he says, oh, put this in the box and keep it. <laughs> yeah, it saved me from myself. <laughs> I can't help myself. Um, no, but it, it was it was a snake man that popped out of the well hole. Yeah. So at first I was like, this is so out of left field. I'm kind of <laughs> loving it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird looking. It's very weird looking. Uh, but I appreciate Very the, the out there-ness. Because this this episode was not doing it for me. And then when no. when Reptile Boy popped out, I was like, okay, it might redeem <laughs> Redeemed. itself. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, it could be, I kind of thought when he came out, I was sort of imagining like a whack-a-mole kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Someone's going to whack <laughs> him back in there. Get back down um, there. Yeah, and then Tom keeps chanting. Uh, for he shall rise from the depths, and we shall tremble before him. He who is the source of all we inherit and all we possess, Makita. And if he is pleased with our offerings, then our fortune shall increase. And on the tenth day of the tenth month, he shall be hungered, and we shall feed him. And Buffy starts pulling on her chains. Do you think he has to eat females? Because they could have fed him. I think uh, there's a metaphor to this. Oh, okay. And that's it's what deep, we're going to huh? talk about. This this show gets deeper than just what what is on the screen. <laughs> Reptile <Yes>. boy. <laughs> just a tiny little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Willow Giles and Angel arrive at the frat house, and Xander unintentionally sneaks up on them wearing a robe he found in the trash. 
Uh, he told them that he saw the frat boys wearing robes and heading down to the basement. Makita takes an interest in Cordelia, but Buffy diverts his attention to her, calling him Reptile Boy, which is how we get the name of the episode. And Tom says, no woman addresses Makita. And then when Buffy keeps talking, he backhands her and then threatens to cut her throat if she speaks again. Which I was like, oh, boy, you gonna get beat. Yeah, you got something coming to you. Mm. Because I don't think he knows who he's messing with. Yeah. Yeah. So then Xander, enrobed, knocks on the door, punches out the guy who answers, but then his hand is really suffering for it. He's like, gah! Um, The rest enter, Angel throwing himself into the fighting fray. The boys unchain Cordelia to offer her up to Makita, and Tom says, feed Dark Lord. Again, very Voldemort. They called him the Dark Lord. Mm. Um, And Buffy finally pulls down her chains, whacking Reptile Boy over the head with them, then kicking her way through the rest of the frat boys. Willow runs down to the basement to spy, while Xander keeps punching one of the guys and saying, that's for the wig, that's for the bra. Then Willow comes back up and tells Angel, Giles, and Xander, some guy's attacking Buffy with a sword. Also, there's a really big snake. (laughs) Yeah. And then Xander keeps punching, that's for the makeup, and that's for the last 16 and a half years. And Willow yells, guys, Buffy, snake, basement, now. (laughs) And Giles gets a punch in at this moment, too. He punches, like, some guy out. He's just like, ka-cha. Yeah, they're all all punching out. Yeah, a bunch of punches. Um, Tom calls Buffy a bitch and tells her he'll serve her to Makita in pieces. But Buffy chain chokes him and then throws him into Makita's pit. Like Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi? Yep. Leia. She's, uh-huh. you know, slave Leia yeah. in the bikini. Mm-hmm. And she's got the chains. Uh-huh. And then yep. she wraps this. it around Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. And chokes mm-hmm. him to death. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly just uh, like this. Yeah, just yeah. thought we would mention the Star Wars crossover. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's part of what I bring to this part of the podcast. I understand that. Okay. <laughs> then Makita goes for Cordy, but Buffy, wielding Tom's sword, says, Back off, wormy. <laughs> yeah. Cuts off his tail. And then there's green goo all over the floor. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> uh, Cordelia begins expressing her gratitude to Angel, whom she hugs. And then she says to everyone else, you guys, I just hate you guys. The weirdest things always happen when you're around. And then she grabs Tom and tells him he's going to jail for 15,000 years. Then alone in the basement with Giles, Buffy says, I told one lie, I had one drink. And Giles says, yes, and you were very nearly devoured by a giant demon snake. The words, let that be a lesson, are a tad redundant at this juncture. Buffy says, I'm sorry. And he says, so am I. I drive you too hard because I know what you have to face. From now on, no more pushing, no more prodding, just an inordinate amount of of nudging. I thought that was nice. This little honest exchange between the two. Mm -hmm. Nice little level set here. Yeah. Yeah. Then at the bronze, Jonathan, the nerdy guy that Empata nearly mummy kissed last episode. Oh, it's that guy. Yes. I didn't know it was that guy. It was that guy. <laughs> Your hands and... are so rough. <laughs> <laughs> he... Yes. He's uh, a star. 
He's he's a superstar. I like that guy. Um, and we learn that his name is Jonathan in this episode because Cordelia calls him that. So ah, right. Uh, he's impatiently waiting for a drink at the kind of like at the counter, um, which he brings along with a muffin to Cordelia, who of course criticizes him for for getting the extra foam in her latte. Yeah. Um, Then she approaches Buffy, Willow, and Xander's table and says, young men are the only way to go, and walks off. Xander, reading the paper, informs Buffy and Willow that the frat boys have all been sentenced to life sentences. So this is kind of like the first time that we're really seeing, like, you know, actual, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, justice, I guess? (laughs) being brought to people who are doing bad things in Sunnydale. Yeah. Um, There's consequences. Yeah. He says that a huge cavern of bones dating back 50 years had been found under the frat house. Gross. And he says a surprising number of corporations whose chairman and founders are former Delta Zeta Kappas are suffering falling profits, IRS raids, and suicides in the boardroom. Starve a snake, lose a fortune. Boy, I guess the rich really are different, huh? So they were all getting rich because they uh, would would feed Makita, Makita and the snake man would give them the magic to yes, make them every, rich. Yes, every year. Okay. So all that's checks how it goes. Out. All checks out. <laughs> uh, Willow asks Buffy if she's heard from Xander or she's heard from Angel and says how amazing it was to see him morph into vamp face over her. Um, and then Angel approaches their table and says, Buffy. And Buffy says, Angel. And then Xander goes, Xander. <laughs> <laughs> and then Angel says, I heard this place serves coffee. Thought maybe you and I should get some sometime if you want. And Buffy smiles and says, yeah, sometime. And then I'll let you know. And she walks away smiling as Angel, Willow, and Xander all look on. Oh, so coy. So coy. Yeah. So, yeah, that is Reptile Boy. Me, as an audience member, I'm sort of over Angel at this point. Really? Yeah, I'm just like, old news. Hair's too poofy. What's that tan jacket doing? Is it still at home? Like, come on. Well, it did not show up this episode. We got to give him something to do. Yeah, so after, like... Like I was saying, I was not excited about watching this episode. I was kind of ready to write it off. Um, But I do love, there are a couple things that I appreciate about this episode. Number one, one, Reptile Boy. (laughs) Gorgeous. No, no, gross. Okay. (laughs) Gross. Um, I love how Willow stands up for Buffy and lays into Giles and Angel. So yeah, I thought that was a really great friend moment. But I also think that this episode is a great example of normal horrors or temptations faced by teenagers turned into actual demonic activity because you've got peer pressure, drinking, spiked drinks, and the allusion to potential date rape. So we see Buffy struggling with the decision of whether or not to drink. And then when she does drink, her drink is has drugged. And she winds up in a situation where she could have been sexually assaulted if it weren't for Tom showing up and, quote, saving her really only because he wants to feed her to a snake demon. Right. Um, And so we've got a fraternity whose brothers literally profit when they destroy the lives of women. 
that is the stuff that I thought was like very interesting about okay. this episode. It's like kind of larger social issue type things being tackled yeah. in this bizarre episode. Okay. Um, so I think tackling those social issues makes the episode a bit more compelling, even if it's missing Oz and Spike. Yeah, it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is I think it probably should a little bit yeah. make you uncomfortable. Well, these themes should. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So it was kind of like, you know what? This episode is like maybe I don't give it enough credit. All right. Give me the Makita trivia because it's, it's killing me. Okay. So writer-director David Greenwald says that when he wrote it, he thought that he had invented a great demon name, Makita. But he later realized that he had been inspired by the word Makita, M-A-K-I-T-A, which she had seen written on the drills carried by the show's ah, grips. Ah, <laughs> see that? So, Makita. yes, the Makita is a brand of power tools. Yeah. <laughs> Only other trivia that I have for the script, or for this episode, is that in the original script, Makita was actually supposed to eat Tom. Like, he was supposed to come out like kind of at the end after they knock Tom out and sort of like grab him and like pull him back to his. Oh, that would have been cool. But apparently it was too difficult to do with the CGI of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I saw no CGI here. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like all puppet work. Yeah. I don't know what they meant, but that this is just what they said in the like trivia piece. I think they talk about this actually on like DVD commentary. Well, they probably looked into CGI and they're like, yeah, not possible. Let's just do it with like the old school way. Yeah. Um. So it would have been too difficult to, to do, to pull that off with the CGI of the time, which also killed plans of having Makita being a recurring villain. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, I'm all set with him not coming back. Yeah, I had enough Makita for a lifetime. This trivia was in like the sort of like could contain plot points or like spoiler alerts. But I was like, I feel like Pat's going to be okay with me telling him that Makita is not a recurring villain. And you probably would have assumed that anyway. Yeah, (laughs) that he wasn't. Yeah, this is a one and done villain. Yeah, he's gross. Yeah, that's all I got for Buffy. All right, cool. Let's get into Lost. So this is Lost Season 1, Episode 16. This episode is titled Outlaws. It originally aired on February 16th, 2005. It's written by Drew Goddard and directed by Jack Bender. And Drew Goddard, that name sounds familiar. I think that might be the Cabin in the Woods director. That does sound familiar. I'm going to look it up for you real quick. Yeah, look it up. Yeah, writer and director. Boom, nailed it. Yeah, because Joss Whedon also wrote it. Look at that. Look at that. Wow, nice job, Pat. Thank you. Uh, Predictions. What do you have for lost predictions? So I refuse to make a prediction about when Claire will have her baby because I was sick of being wrong. So, um, but I do still think that the other, it's obviously going to happen some point soon, but I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm just done trying to figure out when. Uh, I do still think the others are a cult trying to get her baby because it's the Antichrist. Um, okay. And I sug- I thought that we were going to get Sawyer's backstory here. So and I was right about we that. did. Yep. Um, I do think Ethan Rom. one of my predictions was also I 
do think that Ethan Rom is actually dead and Scott too, because you asked me if I thought Ethan Rom was actually dead. Mm-hmm. I Maybe my feelings have changed about that. We'll get to that. And I also thought that we might get more movement on the hatch or the black rock in, in this episode, but we did not. Okay. So this episode starts in a flashback. With- yeah. With what is going on, Pat? Oh, an eye opening. Oh, an eye opening. Look at that. I'm sick of this. <laughs> you are. Come on. It's like a lost thing. It's I the know, eye, but it's, it's like the eye of the island. when it happens every fucking episode. Like, you love it even more every me, time it happens. Give me, give me it like every few episodes or something. Because then yeah. it's like, oh, did you remember that that happened? When it's every episode, it's like, okay, I don't think guys. it happens every episode, does it? Maybe it's like it pretty does. much every episode. Okay. We'll give it 80%. So this is Sawyer as a kid in this flashback. He's placed under his bed by his mother. It's very chaotic. And she tells him not to come out from underneath the bed, no matter what. Yeah, there's uh, like yelling and like banging emotion. going on in the background. Like there's a lot yeah. happening. Yeah, very dramatic. And uh, coming off of this Buffy episode with all the weirdness and then straight into this, I'm like, boy, my oh, my boy. my night is not brightening up with all this. You need this. to watch cartoons afterwards. This is very, yeah, I need something to cleanse my palate of all this drama. Mm-hmm. But he lays there underneath the bed as he hears a whole bunch of commotion out in the hallway or elsewhere in the house. And uh, he hears a lone gunshot. And then his mother stops screaming. So we can assume that she is dead. Yeah. And then the door opens and a man enters, cowboy boots, we see, and the man sits on the bed and we hear another gunshot. Yeah, and I, for some reason, completely forgot that this was part of Sawyer's past. (laughs) Yeah. Sawyer's had it rough. And then I was like, uh, oh, right. That's some real darkness there. So Sawyer wakes up on the island and he finds a boar rummaging through his tent. And he turns on a flashlight and we get this cool Jurassic Park like moment. Yeah. Where we see like the boar's eye and the boar starts freaking out and he gets all wrapped up in Sawyer's tarp tent and then takes off running. And uh, Sawyer gets out of his tent and he chases the boar into the jungle. Before he returns, he hears whispers, whispers in the jungle, all Mm -hmm. sorts of things. Which is what happened to Saeed too. Right. This has happened before. We've seen this. This old whisper thing happened in the jungle before. Yeah. So among them, I don't know if you heard it the first time, but we hear the faint words, it'll come back around. Oh, I yeah. didn't hear that. I knew I, it was I very knew that faint. it was words. Like I yeah. knew that there was some, but I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to know what they're saying yet. So I didn't want to like go back and try to listen. Yeah. I watch with subtitles. So oh, that's I'm kind right. of a cheater mm. and- So I sort of read it and I was like, oh, yeah, I do hear that sort of. This scene's got some cool camera work. Okay. So the shot, the shot at the end starts real high up. Okay. It's night. It's darkness in the jungle. And then the camera cranes down and tilts up at the same time. And we're, we're looking up on close up on Sawyer's face. It's a great shot. Great shot. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you on that. Definitely. So it's a big moment, and then we get our lost title. The next morning, Sawyer tries to salvage some items from the wreckage left by the boar. Saeed arrives, and he starts to mock him a little bit. I know. <laughs> so funny. 
yeah, he says, because he's like, he, he took my tarp. And Saeed goes, perhaps he wanted to go camping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I really uh, like that we're seeing a little bit more sense of humor from Saeed. Because I feel like at first he was like very, um, I don't know, like not that he wasn't. He was all business. He was just very serious. Yeah, very serious. He was serious, all electronics. And, yeah. yeah, and it's just like kind of, he's sort of like softening a little bit, I think. Right. So uh, Sawyer asked him about uh, what he heard when he was uh, returning to camp after being kidnapped by Rousseau because he, he had mentioned at one point that he had heard something out in the jungle. And Saeed tells Sawyer about the whispers, but Sawyer just sort of shrugs it off when he asked if... Sawyer had heard the whispers too. He's like, "Did you hear him?" Yeah, he does not confirm that and he's like, he heard them, uh, which is for... weird. Like, I don't know. I get it because well, Sawyer's he's guarded. Like, he doesn't yeah, give up much, guarded. you know. Right. So he's like, "Forget it. I didn't hear anything." And he just walks off, saunters off into slow mo flashback territory. Yep. So flashback: Sawyer enters a hotel room with a young woman, and they kiss. But before they can continue, a man reveals himself. And Sawyer recognizes him. Ha! <laughs> Hello there. I am what they call Reptile Boy. <laughs> no, this guy is named Hibbs. And, and he's just sitting in a dark corner. <laughs> yeah. Do you recognize the actor who plays Hibbs? I thought he looked familiar, but I didn't yeah. look into it. So this guy... I believe his name is Robert Patrick. I should have looked it up, but I'm a big Terminator fan, and he oh, plays boy. the T-1000 from Terminator 2, one of my favorite movies ever. Okay, well, so, I mean, I never saw that. I'm going to go with Robert Patrick, final answer. You're right about him, about Robert Patrick it is being Robert in Patrick. Terminator. Yes. But, yes, and he is Hibbs. You're correct. Yes. Nailed it. All right. Good cool. job, Patrick. Thank you. Thank not, you. I'm two for two Robert. this episode, huh? Yeah. He threatens Hibbs due to some apparent history between the two. Do and you mean hibstery? Well, that's good. Thank you. Hibbs offers Sawyer a document to make them even for the Tampa job. And Hibbs tells a story about finding this guy, Frank Duckett, in Australia, who had recounted a story that, a, that this guy told in a bar as when he was a grifter con man back in the day who caused a man to kill his wife and himself in front of their little boy. So Frank Duckett used to be Frank Sawyer, is what Hibbs is telling Sawyer. Frank Duckett, he can suck it. Oh, okay. (laughs) So in the jungle... Frank Duckett, get a bucket for all your tears. Kick the bucket. That's much better. (laughs) Yeah. In the jungle, Kate returns a gun to Jack that she had borrowed. Jack mentions that there's just one gun left to get back. And who has it? My oh my. Old Sawyer Sawyer boy. He's got it. Yep. So, but Jack doesn't seem to mind. He's like, nah, whatever. He He can keep it. But Kate is pretty adamant that she can get it back from him. Yeah. But Jack's like, he can keep the gun because, you know, he doesn't want her to owe him anything. Yeah. So that's nice of Jack. But also, do we well, want Sawyer to have a gun? Jack is like, how you, because she's like, I can get it from him. And he's like, how are you going to do that? 
And I'm like, I said, boobs at the TV. (laughs) You think that would do it? I mean, yeah. Well, I just feel like that's what she should have said. So meanwhile, at the caves, Claire tells Charlie that she has started to remember things through her dreams about him. And Charlie just is sort of, he's sort of off in this scene. Yeah. So immediately, Charlie's like, oh, sorry, because he was in her dreams. Oh, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. And he's fiddling <laughs> with something here, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I mean, it makes sense, like later on, a few scenes later when we see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, "What's he making?" Like, I, I couldn't yeah, figure I couldn't, out what he was I doing. I couldn't figure out what he was doing either. I thought he was like stringing like a ukulele or something, but yeah. that is not what he was doing. <laughs> no, if only. If only. But she asked Charlie to go on a walk with her, and he brushes her off, and he says, "Sorry, I have to do something." Yeah, which I was like, "Not cool, Charlie." This is kind of like, uh, yeah, I know. I don't know what was up with that, but we find out. We do find out. Yeah. So Sawyer is tracking the boar through the jungle and he finds his tarp or or the boar's camping site, you know, (laughs) either (laughs) or. (laughs) Uh, When he once again starts hearing these whispers in the jungle and again, we hear the words, it'll come back around, are within the whispers. The boar then appears behind him, charging straight ahead towards Sawyer. Sawyer tries to run, but the boar knocks him to the ground into the mud. And the boar looks way better than the polar bear. <laughs> yes, he does. I <laughs> he agree. looks like a real boar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they cut to it many, many times, way more times than they did the polar bear. Yeah. I'm like, okay. They let's... already budgeted out for the boar, but the polar yeah. bear was a last minute addition. This is a real, real livestock, so you really got to... Really got to catch that in, you know? Yeah. Back at his tent, Kate is enjoying herself as Sawyer tells her about what has happened with him and the boar. And he is convinced that the boar is harassing him and that it's personal. (laughs) And he grabs his gun to take revenge on the boar. And she sort of like laughs it off and is like, look, if you want to kill this boar, just tell Locke and he'll kill it. Yeah. And then- And then, (laughs) you know, they'd actually be able to eat it. It'd be useful. Right. Not just like shooting a boar. Right. For revenge. Yeah. And yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, getting revenge on a boar? Like, hmm, sounds like, sounds like you have some unfinished business that you're taking out on this boar. Or some unfinished pigness. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> it's, it's not my greatest work. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but he says, well, I got some revenge to tend to. And then we cut to a flashback of Sawyer, who's now in Australia, and he's walking out to a harbor of sorts to acquire a gun from one of Hibbs contacts, his gun guy, you know, who's uh, an Aussie gruff guy. And the man warns Sawyer that you never know yourself until you point a gun at a man. And if he yeah, finds- so I was thinking at this point, I'm like, I don't think Sawyer's going to be able to kill the real Sawyer. Right. And he says and he says that pretty bluntly. He says if, you know, you find that you're not the killing type, there's no refund. And Sawyer puts on a tough face and says, "Won't be a problem." And he Sawyer is mm. brooding through the Yeah, most of this flashback. He is high on the brooding scale. And I like a brooding Sawyer. Ah, uh, yeah. It's a better look for him than than, you know, Jackass Sawyer. Definitely. He's just, you know, bargaining for stuff and making people mad and smart. At least you know he's thinking and has a brain. Well, he's feeling. 
He's feeling. Yeah, that's yeah. that's right. So then we cut to Hurley and Charlie, who's dragging Ethan's body, which is all wrapped up to an area where they can bury him. And Hurley starts detailing a nightmarish plot where Ethan Rom rises from the dead, chases them down, and catches Hurley first because, well, I'm heavy and I get cramps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and even before he started saying that, the fact that they were burying him and not yeah. burning him, I was like, "Oh boy, this makes <laughs> me get... this makes me feel like he's not dead and he's he actually is going to come back and haunt them." Really? I mean, like part yeah. of me is like it's too on the nose because Hurley is calling it out. Yeah. But as we saw in Buffy and Inca Mummy Girl, they were like, oh, maybe the mummy rose from the dead and, you know, ate, right. what's his name? Rodney Munson. Yeah. And like, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> right. So I'm like, uh, I don't know. It could Bur- happen. Just burn him. <laughs> and this then you don't have to weird. worry about it. There's some weird stuff happening on this island. So Yeah. Yeah, Ethan Rom, back from the dead, that would be uh, freaky, huh? So they start digging with shovels, and Hurley asks Charlie if he's all right, but Charlie doesn't really respond. We cut to Hurley heading to Saeed's tent, who's asking about being shell-shocked slash PTSD because, of course, we all know Saeed's mentioned it many times that he was in <laughs> he was the military. In the army. <laughs> yeah, he tells everybody this. And he, he says it here, to too. He's, yeah, he's I like, think. I don't know if you know, but... <laughs> or no, he says it when he's talking to Charlie later, but oh, yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. He tells I, everybody. But you know what? I liked this scene. Like, I, Hurley is such a sweetheart. I can't wait to get some of his backstory because, I don't know, I just thought it was really sweet that he went to talk to Saeed to be like, hey, Charlie, I don't think he's doing so well. Might like, need can you some talk help. to him, you know? Yeah. yeah. So Saeed says that uh, it could be PTSD. Charlie's probably suffering from it because of this recent encounter with Ethan where he shot him dead. I mean, that takes a toll on a man. Well, even before that, being dragged off and hung and like then yeah. not actually being dead and being freaked out and worried about Claire's welfare, like all of that is enough to induce PTSD. And then on top of that, yeah. he shoots him dead. There's a lot of trauma. A lot, a of, lot trauma of trauma that old Charlie has had to... Uh, and, and not only that, he had to climb through a cave that was caving in on him and to yeah. save... Jack before that. I mean, there's and just he had so to do much. That while he was detoxing? Detoxing from his smack. Oh, man. Yeah, there's so much. So much he's going through. Oh, Charlie. So Sawyer is tracking through the jungle as best as he can. Kate catches up with Sawyer. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> my notes say, well, looky here. Jack ain't the only one who can't track. <laughs> Sawyer also can't track. Jack can't track. Sawyer can't track. Nope. So Kate offers to help him in return for carte blanche sorry what language are you speaking that's french <laughs> french toast french, french fries fries <laughs> it has raisins you love raisins you love raisins <laughs> god i fucking love that movie it's a great so movie. much better um, off dead if you haven't seen it go yep. watch it it's amazing great 80s movie great 80s movie yeah so smart smart girl smart kate Carte blanche. Carte blanche, which is a blank check. And if she wants anything from his stash in the future, she will get it. No questions asked. She just gets it. She just gets it. And Sawyer reluctantly agrees. At night, Sawyer and Kate hang out by the fire. And Sawyer calls her sassafras. (laughs) Sassafras, I know. Uh, I was like, oh, great. This is going to be another thing Pat will want to call me. 
uh, I wouldn't call you sassafras. Sassafras seems like it has like a, um, I don't know. It's, it's nice. It's really nice. I would call you something like meat pie. <laughs> oh, thanks. <you> jerk. <laughs> sassafras is, is a lovely, lovely nickname. And he offers oh, Kate thanks. some liquor from the plane. Like one of those little, what do you call those? Nips? Nips. Yeah. Nips. Yeah. Uh, from the plane of she'll play a game of I never with him. And yeah, which at first I was like, what is this high school? But I, I actually kind of like this scene. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. It's 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 a, it's, a, it's a good scene for them to connect over, and we also find out some things from them. So yes, the two start asking each other a number of questions, revealing some sensitive facts of them. We find out that Sawyer's never been in love. Well, Kate's so never. basically, I think you should explain the rules of I never. Well, the mechanics if you, of if I you've never. Never played I never. <laughs> well, I never have uh, played I never, and then I drink. Yeah, That's so basically, you, you say something like. I never, whatever, blank. And then the other people, if you're playing with multiple people, whoever has done that thing has to take a drink. Takes a drink, right. Yes. So, so. if I were to say, um, I never saw Star Wars and loved it, then Pat would take a drink because he loves Star Wars when he oh, sees it. right. Yeah, I already forgot the rules of the game. I was like, oh, I wouldn't drink. Oh, yes, I would drink. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we find out Sawyer's never been in love. Kate's never had a one-night stand. Kate was once married. And Sawyer wasn't. Sawyer gets her to admit that she wanted to hang out with him because he's the only other one on the island that just don't belong. Mm-hmm. And the game ends dramatically as they both drink when the topic of I never killed a man when they both drink, revealing that they both have killed a man. And Sawyer yeah. says, well, it looks like we have something in common after all. And when Kate revealed that she's been married, I was like, ooh, I bet that's who she killed. Seems like it goes hand in hand now, don't it? Mm-hmm. I'm starting to talk like Sawyer. I don't even mean to. Sassafras. He just rubs off on me. Sassafras. So during the night, Sawyer dreams of his childhood, about him hiding under the bed. But instead of his father in the room, however, he sees a boar. Oh, it's such a creepy scene. <laughs> it is very creepy. And then he hears the words, it'll come back around once again here. Kate wakes him up saying he's shaking, and they realize that the camp has been attacked by the boar for the second time. <laughs> but it has only destroyed <laughs> Sawyer's tech. items and yeah. really hasn't touched Kate's stuff at all. Kate's like, my stuff is fine. Yeah. Now there's something rustling in the leaves and they start to get all freaked out and uh, Sawyer grabs his gun and then Locke pops out. And I think he's like eating something. He's like eating an apple or yeah. something. He's <laughs> like, hey guys. Hey, what's up? Saying, uh, oh, he's... wait, did you say the part? Sorry, I got distracted by Appa coming in. Did you yeah. say the part about um, <laughs> when Sawyer said, he took my shirt out of my bag and peed on it? Oh, yeah, that's coming <laughs> up. <laughs> no, that's before. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, he says before that before Locke, Locke pops out? Up. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so the boar peed on Sawyer's shirt. Oh, it's like my a God, later. hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> that, that boar does have it out for him. He definitely does, but I think that's really funny. Yeah, so oh, Locke's bye, creeping around, and he's looking for plane wreckage is what he tells them, but he's probably doing some sort of hatch hatch thing, you know? Yeah. He's always up to hatch, hatch hijinks. Hatch thing, or he's, he's there to... 
inspect the eye of the island. He's there to, you know, help Sawyer work out whatever he needs to work out. Or he's a peeping Tom and he just wanted to see what uh, Kate and Sawyer were doing all no. night. He's just camping no. out, I just watching from Locke afar. I used to think was a creep like that, but I don't think that anymore. You've really turned the page he's, on Locke. He's innocent. You like him. I do. Yeah. Him and all his knives and yeah. his scar on his eye. Yeah. Yeah, you like it. Well, not in that way. I just think he's a <laughs> think he's a good protector. Well, he's like, like Dumbledore. That. He's like Dumbledore, okay? Oh, okay. All right. So Locke pops out saying he's looking for plane wreckage wreckage and thought he would just come say hello. Uh Locke talks about a dog that appeared to his foster mother after her daughter died. So he goes off on a big long Locke story. Yeah, which, like what he did to But Bruno. you know what? I'm starting to tune out for these Locke stories. <laughs> Every time he starts, well, that reminds me. I'm like, oh, here we go. You know what? Wake me up in yeah, two so minutes his when we get to the point. Yeah, so his foster sister died. She fell off yeah. something, blah, the blah, monkey blah, bars. Blah, 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 blah. And then this golden retriever showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's a golden yeah, retriever. Yeah. I might be making that up. Yeah, wax and poetic with his little stories. And Sawyer's like, so the golden retriever was your sister? And he's yeah. like, my mom thought so. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, the point of it is <laughs> that Locke says that what mattered was his mother's belief in it. So yes. all this stuff happened, but what mattered the, was- the golden retriever stuck around, and then the mom yeah. died, and then the golden retriever went away. <laughs> sure. This magical I, I golden retriever. I couldn't care less about this story. <laughs> I'm really fed up with these stories lately. You got you to gotta start sexying these stories up, okay, Locke? You're losing my interest. So cut to a flashback. <laughs> He's really like Dumbledore. <laughs> Sawyer arrives at a shrimp truck where this guy, Frank Duckett, is working. And Sawyer walks up to the truck and he orders some food. And the guy starts making some small talk with him because they're both from America and they talk about that. But Sawyer's sort of half listening and he loads Wait. his gun. Uh, I wrote in Boone, but I meant Locke. So Boone's I, not even in this episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they just go together like peas and Cause, carrots. Because my note was, is Locke just making up a story again, doing what he did to Boone? And then my next note was, was starts with Boone, but I mean to say Locke. So I also think that the point of his story was n- not just the beliefs, but also that like his mom was blaming himself, was blaming herself for the death of the foster daughter. Um, and so I also interpreted it as it like being like, it's not, the dog was there to say like, it's not your fault. This is okay. Like what happened? You know, the dog was there to say it. The dog was there to say it. (laughs) Yeah. The dog was there like as, you know, as like a replacement for the foster daughter who died to be like, it's okay. I'm okay. This wasn't your fault. And so I saw Locke kind of being like Robin Williams in the scene. Like, it's not your fault. Yeah, okay. So now we can move on to the Sawyer and the Shrimp Truck. Yeah, God. <laughs> I forget I said anything. So oh Frank Duckett is working. Frank <laughs> Duckett, some food. shrimp in a bucket. <laughs> shrimp in a bucket. Frank Duckett, shrimp in a bucket. Shrimp bucket. <laughs> uh, so Sawyer loads his gun and. At this point, he has a perfect opportunity to kill this man who he thinks has killed or caused his dad to kill both his mom and then himself. Frank turns around after he finishes making the food, and then we see nothing except for a car driving away. Sawyer decided to not kill this man. 
Yes. Chickened out. Which is what I thought would happen. Let's not say chickened out, okay? Like chickening out makes it sound like a bad thing. Like it's okay to realize that you shouldn't kill someone. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay to walk away from murdering somebody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I take it back. Thank you. Good (laughs) point. He made a wise decision to not kill a man. Yes. Only for a moment because, you know things happen so it comes Sawyer, back around <gasps> it comes back around <gasps> so we cut to sawyer who's drinking at a very dark bar wait what it comes back around like a, oh like a boomerang like australia boomerang no it, like what goes around. around comes around like sawyer like saeed had had um had done some torturing to Sawyer and then it came back around and he got tortured. Hmm. Am I blowing up the island right now? Am I like blowing up the spot? Oh, so blowing it up right now. No idea. I don't remember. It's so annoying that you don't remember (laughs) or that you're a really good solid bucket. (laughs) Yeah. So we cut to Sawyer drinking at a dark bar. He's drinking shot after shot. Another man who's also American starts talking to him from across the bar. Yeah. And we find out it's Jack's daddy. Jack's daddy, Christian Shepherd, is there. And the two chat and Christian tells him how he once was the chief of surgery back in the States. And that uh some people are just supposed to suffer. And he says that's why the Red Sox will never win the World Series. Which is funny because are you going to say this in trivia? Yeah, this is part of my trivia. Don't right, burn I'll my trivia. It. I'll leave it. You I sometimes mean, everybody... burn mine. Yeah, you know, that's what happens. Okay. So he also talks about his son who hates him and that Christian is truly pr- more proud of him than his son will ever know. This is sort of a revelation. Yeah. Because Christian up to this point has always been portrayed as a real jerkwad. He's been a real Richard. Real Richard. So Christian says one phone call to his son could easily fix everything but he is too weak to do it sawyer says that his business in australia would ease his suffering and so christian convinces him that he must do it yeah so it was nice to hear that jack's dad had a heart it was but maybe he only has moments of true clarity when he's completely hammered yeah maybe you know Hmm. would have been nice if he was having a moment of clarity when he was operating on that woman that he ended up killing. Oh, yeah. Shaky so. hands. Mm-hmm. So uh, we cut to at night. It's raining hard as Duckett is outside of his shrimp truck, and he's throwing out- Frank Duckett, <laughs> tr- raining buckets. <laughs> yeah, emptying his trash bucket out in the trash, and Sawyer watches him from afar in his car, and he pulls out his gun. Then we cut to- Saeed, who approaches Charlie by the shore, who's splitting coconuts with this cool tool that he made. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is what he made. Coconut tool. Yeah. Charlie's gone coconuts. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Charlie says he feels no guilt over what happened with killing Ethan Rom, as it was to protect the survivors from this evil man. And Saeed tells Charlie about the first man that he killed, again, bringing up his military experience in Tikri. And how he woke up every night after that for a long time before he could accept what he had actually done. And what happened to Ethan will be with Charlie for the rest of his life. 
and Saeed said that he's not alone, whether he pretends he is or not. Uh, yeah, I think he says you're not alone. Don't pretend to be. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I wrote down. Yeah, don't pretend to be. That's what I meant. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> Booby traps. Booby traps. So Sawyer and Kate are continuing to track this boar, and they hear one squealing, and they manage to find the boar's little baby hog who's running around. And yeah. Sawyer waves the boar, the baby boar, into the air to attract not the big boar. Cool. And he says, here, piggy, piggy, here, piggy, piggy. And, and Kate, Kate is, is not happy about it. She does not like this. No. So she shouts for him to let this creature go, and he starts refusing, and she kicks his leg, causing him to trip and release this little baby piglet. And she tells him to find his own way home, and she walks away. Yeah, girl. I knew you'd like that moment. I do like that moment. Anytime Sawyer gets kicked or a woman stands up for herself. Yes. <laughs> I'm easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, flashback to Sawyer back in the rain. He's got his gun. He walks over to Frank and says, Sawyer, and shoots the man in the chest. And he pulls out the letter he was carrying around since he was a child, and he begins to read it. However, as he says, Dear Mr. Sawyer, Duckett's response is, Who? And Sawyer's like, Huh? And then at that moment, I think he realizes the truth. Which that is Hibbs, Hibbs was telling some fibs. Oh, did you write that down in your notes? No, I just you came just up came with up that with right that? now. Well, well actually, I good. came up with it earlier, but I was like, I can't say that yet. I have to save that for later. Yeah, that's a good one. I should have seen that coming. So he realizes that Hibbs has lied to him, and Duckett was in debt to Hibbs. And Hibbs tricks Sawyer into killing the man with this big elaborate story, which is smart. I mean, on Hibbs' side. Yeah, he basically know. sent Sawyer to do his dirty work. Right. Telling, so bef- convincing Sawyer that that this guy is the one who conned his parents. Right. But before this guy, Frank Duckett, dies, Frank's last words are, it'll come back around. And Sawyer stands in the rain, stunned. What? <laughs> I don't what? think I knew that. Well, also, oh. I didn't hear. This is why, like, should I be knowing what they're saying? The whispering, you I know? I think it like, helps. Sh- I, I don't think it ever hurts anything. I think it just gives I'm just, better clarity. I'm just like, should I have known that, though? Or I guess if it's subtitled, it's probably okay. Yeah. If it's subtitles, I feel like it's in the clear, you know? Hmm. So, Sawyer... Mm, I wrote Sai. That's not right. That's Sawyer not right. trots through the jungle and he's yelling for Kate until he comes face to face with the adult boar once again. And he pulls out his gun and he's ready to shoot this boar, but he decides in the moment he just can't kill it. And he puts the gun down. Kate's watching from, you know, close by. I'd say yeah. about 15 meters, you know, into the jungle. Sure. She can see him pretty clearly. I don't know how he doesn't see her there, but she sees him. Yeah. And uh, she's looking on, and Sawyer notices her, her there at this point, and he says, it's just a boar. Let's head back to camp. So, yeah. old Sawyer. In, somewhere inside, he's got somewhere a good inside. heart. Yeah. Well, just a not murdering in the moment heart. Yeah. I mean, he did murder the man, didn't so, murder the boar. So, he comes back around because he's sad. Comes back around, yeah. Okay. 
So at the beach, Charlie finds Claire. Soft music starts to play. And I was like, ooh, lost ending montage, perhaps? I know, Are we that's what get I was one? thinking, too. <laughs> I started getting excited. And I was like, yeah, here we go. But then Charlie offers. Because we also offers, see, like, Sun and, and Jin in the background. and Yeah, I'm like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this is the big moment. <laughs> this is the end montage that we all love. But no, Charlie offers to take that walk with Claire now. And the two head off along the beach. And then we yeah, cut to nice. Jack. That is nice. Jack is chopping wood when Sawyer arrives with his gun. And he eventually hands it over to Jack. And Jack says, that's why the Sox will never win the series. <laughs> and Sawyer's like, huh? <laughs> and he realizes the son that Christian spoke of in the bar was actually Jack. But Sawyer doesn't say anything about that. No. And he walks off. Yeah. And that's the end of the show. Trivia for this episode Sawyer's first name was revealed. Did you pick up on it? James. What is James. Yep. I think he seems more like a Sawyer than a James. Yeah. He does like seem maybe like a, a Jimmy. I could see him being a Jimmy. I could see that too. The piece of trivia that you had alluded to before, the Boston Red Sox had won the 2004 World Series by the time this episode actually aired, but yes. it, had, it had not occurred at the time that the it events was... of this episode took place, according to to the timeline yeah i was just excited that when i was watching i knew that because i was like i don't know anything about sports but i know this <laughs> it was a big my... moment when red sox won in 2004 yeah and huge. my family i mean i could say i'm a red sox fan but i'm not really any a fan but if i were to say that i liked one team over the others it would be the red sox in baseball yeah. just because like i grew up in a family that liked the Red Sox and we would watch Red Sox games and stuff like that. I was and in college. The Red Sox, so. I was in cl college, semi-close to Boston. It was like central Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And when this happened, I was in my sophomore year and I remember everybody, after the game ended, everybody spilled out of their dorms and went to the streets and it was like a big parade slash riot's not the right word, but it yeah. was pretty pretty riotous pretty intense people pretty intense. destroying property i'm sure they were pretty excited yeah yeah and uh you know what i did i stayed in my dorm and i watched a movie <laughs> <laughs> i was like this is what everybody's doing they're all going out to to chant in the street okay i'm gonna put on goodwill hunting for the fifth time <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking you were gonna say uh the if you build it they will come movie Field of, Dreams. Field of Dreams. I don't like that movie. I don't like that movie. <laughs> Why not? I just don't like it. I just, I can't give you exact reasons. I just remember watching it and being really excited because everybody loves that movie. Yeah. But I was, uh, I was like, uh, not my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. What are you going to do? I mean, it's yeah. like, I feel like I saw it once and I was like, okay, now I've seen I'm it. Like, I'm good. Baseball, ghosts, cornfields. James Earl Baseball, Jones. Baseball, cold showers. <laughs> I also just, Kevin Costner doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, I like Costner and certain things. Waterworld, fantastic film. Okay. Yeah. You should, I you should watch Waterworld. I, see, I think I saw Waterworld. Favorite moments. Uh, favorite, should you want me to do favorite moment of Buffy first? Yeah. Okay. Favorite moment of Buffy is when Cordelia slams into the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to say when Makita pops up. 
No, no. I, I was like, I was excited at that point just because the, the whole episode was kind of a bore. Yeah. And that was actually something different. A Ooh, bore? bore? I know. Crossover. Whoops. Crossover. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Snake Man. I'm not a big fan of snakes. So anything snake right. related, I can't really give any sort of awards to. Yeah. So I'm going to give it to Cordelia slamming in the back of the car because that made me laugh. <laughs> Uh, mine is definitely Willow laying down the law on Angel right. and Giles. Yeah. Standing up for Buffy. That was a good Buffy. moment. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite moment of Lost? I think the I Never, the Kate and Sawyer. And you know mm. I'm not a big fan of Sawyer, but I liked this moment. It was fun. It was entertaining. Hmm. I almost want to agree with you and go with that. If it weren't for that awesome camera shot early on. <laughs> That started from way up high and then craned down low and tilted up, ended on the close-up of Sawyer's face. Yeah. Favorite moment. I also really liked the moment where Sawyer, as a kid, is hiding under the bed Ugh, and his dad I hated walks that in. moment. Like, I don't, I don't like it because it's a pleasant thing, but I, I, like, for me, it's like when I, like, I like to think of my favorite moments as, like, when I feel emotionally connected yeah. to the show and like that was just a moment of being like oh like pure like dread and terror for this yeah. poor kid like sitting under the bed you know yeah makes you so. feel for sawyer a little bit maybe. yeah no it i mean it does but i also just don't think it excuses how <laughs> much is... of a jerk he becomes yeah. like i feel like there are healthier ways to process this <laughs> it's clearly horrific healthier trauma ways. that happens to yeah. him so Okay, what show wins for you? Oh, Lost, hands down. Buffy sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Again. It's, just... it's two Lost wins in a row. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to give it to Lost as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, predictions, new predictions. You want me to go first? Yeah, you got to go first. Okay. Also, I guess I didn't write any down. <laughs> uh, I, I never write them down. So... Well, actually, I wrote one. Predictions, sort of Spike's definitely coming back next episode, and I hope Oz is also coming back. I'm not sure if he will or not. Maybe Oz will become part of the Big Bad storyline for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe his band gets involved with the Big Bad somehow. Maybe at some point Oz gets kidnapped by Spike. Okay. Maybe he gets a spike through his hand and then can't play his guitar, and then Willow has to heal him. Well, he already okay. can't play guitar, apparently. <laughs> oh, he can't, yeah. Seth can't. Seth can't. I'm hoping that more happens between Angel and Spike and that there ends up being a little bit something more for Angel to do in these episodes. So I'm going to hang my hat on him getting in some predict... Uh, some... What's the word I'm looking for? Some... Uh, predicament? Predicament, thank you. You're welcome. Some predicament where uh, Buffy has to get emotionally involved and uh, has to save Angel, perhaps, from his demise. Hmm. And we'll never see anything about this crazy fraternity ever again. That's that's all over. And that's all I got. I mean, they all got arrested, so. Right. Okay, what are your predictions for Lost? Well, now I'm not so sure Ethan Rom is going to stay dead. So you're going to toe the line on it? I think he's going to be back. You think he's going to wake up? 
I don't know if he's going to wake up or if he's going to be a zombie or if he's going to resurrect, but I don't think we've seen the last of Ethan Rom. Or there's a clone army of Ethan Roms. Oh, God, that'd be terrifying. Wouldn't that be the best? No. That could happen. I don't want that to happen. I hope the dinosaur comes back and eats them. Mm-hmm. Unless they're controlling the dinosaur. Don't really know who to say for backstory next. So I'm just going to say Hurley because we just haven't gotten a Hurley backstory and I'd really like to see that. Okay. So I'm going to throw that one out there. I think that Kate killed her husband. Okay. I don't think we're necessarily going to learn about that next episode. In fact, I'm almost positive we won't. Yeah. Um, but I feel like when she's talking about the man that she killed, that she loved, we've found that out too. I think it's her husband. Okay. And um, I also realized that I didn't really touch on this. Like we kind of talked about it briefly, but it didn't make my predictions last episode. Um, and it just reminded me when, when I pointed out that like Jin and Sun were in the background. Um, that last episode when um, Claire came back and Jin and Sun were kind of off to the side talking about it. And he mm-hmm. was like, what do you think is going on? And she was like, you know, I, I think Claire's okay. I think the baby's okay. He, he looked like he was suspecting that she speaks English. Mm. So I feel like that's going to come out somehow. Um, okay. Something like that. Like he'll he'll suspect it and accuse her or something like that. Okay. Oh, and then because we didn't get any more movement on the hatch or the black rock in this episode, I think it's going to happen in the next episode. Yes. It rolls over. Compounded interest. Yeah, I'm rolling over my... <laughs> oh, and actually, I want to ask you about... To go back to your predictions, so because you had said previously that Cordelia was going to be in peril three more times yep. throughout this season... That means right now you're down to two more times after this episode. Right. She was in peril this episode. Yeah. Another prediction coming true. So do you feel good about twice more this season, Cordelia being in peril? We got a bunch more episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll happen for Mm -hmm. sure. Okay. A lot of of, um, predictions this episode. A lot of predictions. Yeah. Um, What else are you reading, watching, and listening to, Pat? Not a whole lot. Um, I'm still watching Shit's Creek. Yeah. We're slow. We're slow watchers on that. We're only. We're still only on season two on that. You yeah. Know, watch a few episodes every week. We don't burn through them. We don't. We don't have the uh, real estate for binge watching in our parenting lives. Um, oh, excuse me. <laughs> that wasn't a. That wasn't a dig towards you. <laughs> <laughs> but you are binge watching things aren't you <laughs> yeah well but dave and i usually will watch um i mean yeah i'm sure if we had kids we probably yeah when be. you have kids you kiss that bye-bye <laughs> chef's kiss right away no more binge while watching. we're watching tea while we're like uh eating dinner we're usually watching an episode of two or two of something yeah and right now we watch Creek, when we so. uh eat dinner we watch cake boss wait cake boss Oh, why would Kick you, wars. Why Kick would you wars. watch a food show while you're eating? I know. It drives me crazy. Oh. Like when I see somebody baking cakes, all I want to do is eat cake. Yeah. 
Yeah, other other than Shit's Creek, not too much. I don't even know if I've seen a movie. Wow. In this past week. It's been I've been busy. Yeah, you have been really busy. And things. Oh boy. So. I'm gonna put your list to shame. <laughs> All right. Yeah, what have you been watching? <laughs> well, I have I'm still reading The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman and Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. I realize that I like to usually read not a nonfiction book and a fiction book simultaneously and just kinda like switch between the two depending on what I'm in the mood for. Like if I'm in the mood for just like a good story or like learning. I kind of switch between the two. And I'm still watching Gilmore Girls. We're also watching Shit's Creek, but we're we just started season five. Um and This Is Us. Do you watch This Is Us? I no, forget. Amy does, but I oh, do not. Okay. It, it finally had some new Too episodes. Too heavy for me, remember? I don't like my emotions. Oh, I can't yeah, watch this. You can't, dramas. Watch, you can't yeah. watch this show. It's like all the emotions every episode. Yeah, no thanks. Um and I went down after we recorded I went down a serious Seth Green rabbit hole. Oh, boy. Probably still experiencing that. So we watched Without a Paddle. Thankfully, Dave was up for it. Um, we watched so with, supportive. Without a Paddle, which is such a stupid, funny movie. I've <laughs> never seen it. I had seen it before, but I was like, but it was like way before. I mean, like this was like Dax Shepard's first kind of big thing. So it was like yeah. way before I appreciated him. Um, so we watched it again, and that was kind of fun. Um, and we watched Changeland, which is the movie that Seth Green wrote and directed. And he talked about it on the Armchair Expert episode. It's really good. It's really, really good. I think you would like it a lot, especially the cinematography, because it takes place in Thailand. It's beautiful. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And it's pretty short. Like, I think it's only an hour and a half. Um, okay. Really, really good movie. You would I'll like it. I'll look into it. Um, and then we also watched Can't Hardly Wait, which classic. is classic, speaking of big parties. Um, and yep. I was like, there are so many people in this movie. Like, I forgot how many people were in that movie. Yeah. Um, including some people who have already been in Buffy or will be in Buffy, which was sort of fun. Hmm. And then we watched Austin Powers 1, 2, and 3. Jeez. And I think the second is my favorite. The Spy Who Shagged Second's really me. good. It's so I love funny. all of them. All right. Uh, well, that that's that's about it. Should we wrap this thing up? Yeah. Let's wrap it up. So where to find us? You can listen, subscribe, as always, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate us five stars. Leave us a nice review if you can. And what else, Sammy? And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at KickStreamPod. Um, and, and send us emails about your thoughts about the episodes or if you want to talk about something we talked about in the episode or give us your thoughts, which is basically what I already said. Um, but so nice you say it twice. Try not to spoil anything. And if you are going to include spoilers, just let us know in the subject line. Yeah. Um, you can send those emails to kickstreampod at gmail.com and you can check out show notes that I work really hard to put together for every episode at kickingstreaming.com. Cool. All right. And Pat yeah. works really hard to edit the episodes too, I should also say. Yeah, I work so hard on that. I know. Don't let anybody ever forget it. 
Listen, oh. if you forget it, you're gonna we'll feed me to Makita. And I will feed you to Makita. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And always remember that streaming is better, better with, with friends. friends. I never know if we're supposed to go like one word at a time or say it together. I figure we just mix it up every time. Yeah. So that we can never predict what we're gonna do. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone. Bye now. Bye.